Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, hello, and welcome into the BGN Instant Reaction Show. I'm Jesse Taylor. I'm here with Shane Half. As per usual, thank you guys so much for jumping on with us late on a Sunday night, but it's easy to do when, you know, we get to celebrate yet another Eagles win and another Philadelphia victory for the weekend. So the Eagles are 6-0 and after tonight, and even with a shaky third quarter, we can call it, they still managed to completely dominate the Dallas Cowboys took a took a power nap in the third quarter I guess but we're going to talk a little bit about it break it down some of the things we liked some of the things we didn't like like I said I'm here with Rachelle as per usual and Shane Half as well and you know the Eagles started off really really strong 20 to to nothing a late field goal in that first half and then things got a little little well, Harry in that in that third quarter, but then when it came down to it, when they needed a drive, when they needed a stop, they came out and showed you exactly what they're made of. And and this is a you know we've we've heard it all. Oh, they haven't played anybody. Oh, they haven't played the Cowboys yet. Blah 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 blah. Check it all off the boxes. This team is a serious contender. Could you imagine if they actually played four quarters in the same week? Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be something? They have to give us something to look forward to. The vibes are too good. Everything is too good right now. Maybe at some point, like, into the playoffs, they'll hit, like, their final form, and we'll string four quarters of football together and just truly blow somebody out. I I would be on board for that. Um, But maybe they just want to hold that in reserve for right now. Yeah, and I mean, I think there were a couple things that definitely impacted it and impacted that momentum shift um, in the third quarter. And and one of those things primarily was that loss of Lane Johnson to the concussion, you know, go, going in there a little bit. And, you know, obviously you saw that the Dallas defense, it's a good defense. It absolutely is. But, you know, they're not nearly as good as they've hyped themselves up to be. But when you lose someone like Lane Johnson, who has been having a tremendous year, who completely neutralized Micah Parsons coming off that right side. When you put someone in there like Jack Driscoll, who, you know, we've, we've known that he can be solid and he can be solid coming in off the bench when you need him to be. But again, last week he was, you know, playing left tackle. Now he's, you know, back in there, right tackle. He's doing that back and forth switching thing, which, you know, we talked about last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, you know, how that's not the greatest thing to have have a player do. And, you know, at the end of the day, he's not Elaine Johnson. So that definitely threw a wrench in some things. And that was something that unfortunately aided in the momentum shift towards in the Cowboys' favor for that third quarter. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, Lane Johnson's the best right tackle in the NFL one of the best offensive tackles in the NFL hasn't a lot of sacks since 2020. I think it was, I don't remember what week it was early in 2020. 
and they were comfortable letting him handle Micah Parsons one-on-one. They gave him some help every once in a while, but the Eagles don't keep backs into block partially because Lane is so good off the right side and they trust him and partially because their backs just are atrocious in pass protection. And so when Lane goes out, Jack Driscoll is not blocking Micah Parsons one-on-one and their offense stumbled. I, I didn't like the answers. Like you had all of halftime to know he wasn't coming back and you come out and you run the, or you throw the ball on six of your first eight offensive plays. And then they come out the next drive, the long drive, and it's running the ball. It's everything that you know that you need to do when there's offensive backup offensive linemen in the game. It just took the Eagles too long to get to it. And they almost gave the game away because of it. Right. And I think that's, that's where you kind of see, you know, plain and simple, who is the better team, right? Like, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago when, you know, they played their worst game of the season in Arizona and, you know, they somehow managed to win the game, right? Like the Cardinals played their best game of the season. The Eagles played their worst game of the season and the Eagles still won that game. Again, you know, the Eagles, this wasn't, you know, their worst game of the season by a long shot. They had, you know, fantastic moments throughout this game, but it still, again, you know, wasn't their best performance of the season. And, you know, they still looked like a dominant football team. And you're right, you know, because they are so good, they were able to not give the game away because they simply have more talent and they're simply the better football team. But you know, you don't want to let it get that close and and be that far behind making an adjustment. You'd much rather be ahead of the game in those in those realms than you know trying to play catch up there. Yeah, when you're up twenty to zero, you never want it to have to come down to making a play in the fourth quarter. Like that that means you let a team back into the game when you shouldn't have. You know, on the flip side of the coin, we've seen. We've seen the Bills blow a game that they had a big lead on the Dolphins. We've seen the Ravens blow multiple double-digit leads this season. The Eagles haven't done that. They, they've set the stage for it, and they've been able to snatch it back at the last moment. And they need to stop playing with their food. I, I would prefer that. It would make it a lot less stressful. Uh, but for now, they've been able to survive those mistakes, and it's about eliminating mistakes as the season goes on, hopefully getting healthy and staying healthy. Um, and sort of reaching that final form as you head into the playoffs, like we talked about earlier. Right, right. And, you know, there there are a couple different things that go into sort of where they were and how they ended up, you know, having it come down to that drive that they had to put together at the end to, you know, put themselves back up, um, you know, two scores. And it, it wasn't just, you know, the the lack of adjustment with, you know, the the Lane Johnson situation. I still think that, they get too soft defensively when they get up big. And I think they they start to play it a little bit softer instead of just going for the jugular. And I think especially, you know, everybody wants to see that, especially when you're playing the Dallas Cowboys. Like, if there was a week to do it and to not take your foot off the gas on either side of the ball, it was tonight. And, I again, I thought defensively there was such a – you know, Cooper Rush didn't figure out how to, you know, play against the Philadelphia Eagles at halftime, right? Like in those 15 minutes, he didn't just figure it out and it didn't all click. 
they should have been able to continue the way they were dominating in the first half into the second half. And I thought that looked, um, you know, they looked a little bit lackadaisical in the second half when they came out for from halftime. A lot of it went back to the big, the biggest issue that's plagued the defense all year is poor tackling, inability to tackle. And we saw that, you know, rear its ugly head in the second half, right on cue. Um, right on cue, we saw some missed tackles. We see um, the Cowboys are starting to run the ball. Uh, somebody pointed out on Twitter, I think it was Ben Solak pointed out on Twitter that the Cowboys were just looking to see if Jordan Davis was on the field because if he's on the field, it's a five-man front. If he's not, it's a four-man front. And so if Davis is on the field, they would go empty, spread it out. If he wasn't, or if he wasn't on the field, then they would line up and run the ball. And the Eagles are going to have to work on that. Maybe that's something you put in on the bye. Um, I don't know, but there's no reason that Davis can't play in those four-man fronts, and they have to stop being so. Uh, so predictable in those because what the Cowboys just did, a team that has a quarterback that can actually throw the football is going to do to them. Uh, you just can't be that predictable on defense. So it's been a good way to ease Davis in. He's excelled in that role, but they've got to start to mix it up. And to be honest, I thought Fletcher Cox looked really bad tonight. I thought he played a really bad football game. There's no reason that Jordan Davis can't take some of those snaps in, in even fronts. i I haven't been terribly impressed with any of our other defensive tackles this year. It's time to get Jordan Davis on the field some more and use him in some more looks. Yeah. I mean, he's an enormous body and the only way that you're going to slow him down or stop him is exactly the way that the, you know, the Cowboys did tonight and, and they implemented a double team and that's what ended up working. So you're, you're absolutely right. They need to do a little bit better of a job, especially, you know, when you're able to make those you know, they get up big and then they're like, oh, we're just going to keep riding this wave and not expect the opposing team to try to make adjustments to what they're doing. And, you know, that they, like we were kind of talking about before, they're a, a little behind on the adjustment. They wait for someone else to make an adjustment and then they think, oh, maybe we should, we should change this a little bit. And they need to be a little bit more ahead of that. Um, and then the last thing that, you know, again, if you're, again, they're six and oh, you don't want to get overly picky um, because, you know, things are going to, you know, be great. Things are not going to be great. It's not going to be a flawless six and oh, right. But the other thing that has caused us a little bit of, you know, a few scares over the last couple of weeks have been the special teams and, you know, the, the coverage on special teams plays has been unbelievably abysmal. And that's where that one touchdown drive started for the Cowboys was that 62 yard, you know, kick return that can't happen. And it seems to happen at least once every week. Yeah. We've talked about it for a couple of weeks now. Special teams is going to lose the Eagles a game and it wasn't today, but it could have been today. It could have been, it could have been any of the last three weeks. They've made huge special teams blunders and it hasn't yet cost them. And it's one of those things that, they keep dodging bullets and you hope they figure it out before it gets them. But the tonight it was the coverage. It's been muffing punts. It's been field goals being blocked. It's been a little bit of everything, to be honest, except Jake Elliott just outright missing field goals because he doesn't do that very often. Um, they, they've got to figure out their coverage. It would be nice if they would figure out a return game. But really, as long as they just don't give up punt returns and fake punts, I, I'm OK with I'm okay with no return game. Just don't make mistakes on special teams. It's not worth it. No, it's not. And it's, it's, 
it, you, you just, you, you hold your breath a little bit when things like that happen. And, and you don't, with a six and O team, you don't want to hold your breath at all. You want to just be, be totally and, and completely content. What were some of your biggest positive takeaways from, from this game tonight? I mean, you, you like to see how the Eagles start games. Their first halves, it, it's good. They came out and they did exactly what you wanted to see them do defensively. They were able to stuff the run, get the Cowboys behind the sticks, and, and then make plays. Cooper Rush is not confident throwing the ball downfield. The, the Cowboys don't want to ask him to do that. So the defense was pushing all of the right buttons. The offense started fast as well, I think. They only picked up one first down the first drive, but then I think they scored three or four consecutive drives. I really appreciated them waiting until the first play of the second quarter to score a touchdown so we can keep the the best second quarter team ever thing alive. But then, then you get Lane Johnson going out and it started to fall apart. But the way that they come out is always good, Jaguars game notwithstanding. The way that they come out is good. It's just sustaining that through the game is the issue. And I would rather be trying to figure out how to how to sustain the start than how to get going because we dealt with the slow starts sure. for years, and yeah. you know the scripted things early in the game are working, and that's important. Trying to figure out how to extend that success, I feel like that's easier than trying to figure out why your scripted things don't work. So I really like how they're starting games. Um, you know, you don't want to complain too much. They only gave up what was it, sixteen, seventeen points. Um, 17 points. It's the second week in a row. I think they gave up 17. They're six and zero. They also have the number six overall pick in the draft. Thank you, Mickey Loomis. So it's hard to feel down about anything right now. There's lots of things you could nitpick, and I'm sure we will do that as we go to the tape and stuff throughout the week. But right now, the right. Eagles are six and zero. They're they're in prime position for a one seed. The Packers lose today. They've already got a tiebreaker over the Vikings, who are five and one. The biggest threat is the Giants at five and one, which I didn't see coming. But which is weird. Yeah, it's weird. But so it feels good. The Eagles are in a good spot. They hit the bye at a good time. You would like for the bye to be later, but with all of the guys banged up, it's good timing. It works out well. Uh, so hopefully the Eagles get healthy and they can fix some of these little issues that we've been talking about that have been nagging them throughout the year. And they, you know, they sort of get an easy on ramp back after the bye. They've got a couple of easier games coming up. Yeah. Need to find a return man before the trade deadline. Deshaun Jackson said this week, just a reminder, I'm not retired and I want to retire an Eagle. Just saying. Although the last time he tried to return a punt here, it didn't didn't end so hot. But do you think he would actually come back? I mean, I I saw people saying that last year he has to be released from the Rams over playing time. Like I have a hard time imagining him being happy just as a punt returner or a wide receiver for. But Quez Watkins hasn't done a lot this year, so maybe he eats some of those snaps, too. I don't know. I think he'd be happy dealing with it if he was here. Yeah. I truly think that the last time he was here, he thought that was going to, he was going to finish here. He was going to be here, finish here, and that was going to be it. And I think especially that one, the fact that they're six and zero, and he's got that chance to be able to win the, like he, he, he wants that so bad. Like it, it hurt me that he wasn't an Eagle when they won the Super Bowl in 2017-18 and if he could just be on the roster in some capacity if they were to do that again I think he would be content with that I think he would be able to deal with that here you were talking about not being nitpicky 
I'm sure there is one place we can go to find some some nitpicky if we really want to find it. Rachelle, what is Twitter doing right now with our three words? Is it is it doom and gloom? Are people still angry? Are people saying things? Or who's getting fired this week? Or it, you know, are are we actually happy? Are the good vibes in Philadelphia staying? What are we doing? Sorry about that, Shane. Didn't mean you're not her movie. Um, <laughs> but for the most part, uh, things are pretty happy. Everybody has a pretty happy tone so far. I see a, oh, thank God. Sirianni is fun. Of course, the Dallas sucks. Or there's a lot of those. Um, get healthy by. So that's going to be important um, as we approach the bye week. Um, second half struggles. But other than that, we're good. Weed and birds. Uh, lane for MVP. I see Philly sports heaven. So that's exciting. Um, F the Cowboys. That's a game. So for the most part, everything I've been seeing so far is pretty like positive. It's nothing like super negative. I haven't seen any fire anybody tweets. Um, yeah. Amazing. Usually we have at least one, at least someone's usually someone's getting fired, but yeah, yeah I don't see any either. I think the, uh, the weekend that Philadelphia sports have had, I think everyone's just riding a high right now. And I'm going to tell you right now, if the Phillies win on Tuesday and the Sixers also beat the Celtics on Tuesday, I will be, and it will be completely intolerable to be around me. You won't be able, no one will be able to talk to me. If we're going to start the fire, anybody thing, we need to start the fire. Michael clay. We can get that trending. Someone literally just commented, "Fire the special teams." Yeah, coach. yeah. Let, let's get that one going. I we can we can all agree on that one every week until it happens, right? Yeah, yeah. There we go. Fire, fire special teams coach. I like it. Yeah, I just, I just what? Yeah, I don't know. It's not great. It, I mean, if you again, if you have to nitpick, that's it. It's the special teams. It's not great. What is great, though, is um, the clip of Nick Sirianni at the end of that game after Jason Kelsey got taken down. Um, and he's just, it's like the third or fourth time this season that they've flashed the camera to Sirianni and he's screaming and cursing at someone, I assume, the referee. It's tremendous. I see a fire the ref. I was going to point that out. So yeah, can, can we talk about that? Can we talk about the block in the back call? Like, they throw Insane. the flag and then they get together and they're like, you know what? Never mind. It's totally okay now to two hand shove a guy in the back. That's not, that's not a block in the back. It's okay. That was, that was, it's not like they missed it. They threw the flag and then picked it up. Put that up there with no clear recovery. Yeah. Baffling. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to, I, you know, the refs, and Dallas Cowboy games, we've all seen it for years. I think Nick Sirianni, it's Nick Sirianni's turn this week to reply all to the referee video that that comes out for, for the uh, NFL. Did you guys see that with Mike Rabel? So every week, there's a video that gets sent out from the NFL officiating department, sort of recapping the calls from the week or, or something, and, and just sort of explaining things and making sure everybody's on the same page. It goes out to all 32 teams, the coaches, the GMs, everybody. And this week, 
<laughs> Rabel replied all to the entire NFL and officiating department. And he was like, thanks. But I think we should probably spend the time it takes to make these videos and making sure that all the referees are on the same page and all the games are officiated properly. Like, <laughs> he was over it. And I, he wasn't wrong by any stretch. I think that's perfectly valid. But I think this might be Nick Sirianni's turn to to reply all because that was that was some BS if I've ever seen it. Another so last week on the post game show, Rachel and I talked about TJ Edwards having a rough game against the Cardinals, and I kind of thought he would be poised for a bounce back game this week because you know he's so good downhill against the run. He, he tends to struggle a little more in coverage, and Arizona was just spreading the field and putting Rondell Moore or. Hollywood Brown in the slot coming across the middle against TJ Edwards, who didn't really have a chance. Today, he was phenomenal. 14 tackles, leads the team. Uh, he was flying around making plays. So, you know, I, I, I said last week that TJ Edwards did not have a good game. He had a really good game this week. Yeah, he did. Um, CJ Gardner Johnson in his uh, post game interview got a text from his grandma that said, Fly Eagles Fly. So he's sitting there reading. <laughs> his text messages and he's like i just got a text from my grandma that says fly equals fly which is tremendous yeah and, you know shout out to him he gets hurt injured arm he comes back into the game and lays out for that interception that and brandon graham gets pressure off the edge uh forces rush to throw that ball sort of off of his back foot taking contact it's underthrown and chauncey gardner johnson lays out with the injured arm and gets the interception that essentially seals the game i mean they had to run a few more plays and they gave the ball back to Dallas, but that ended the game effectively. So uh, yeah. gutsy performance from him. And uh, AJ Brown um, broke Trevon Diggs. So he's broken. He was so angry. I loved it. Did you guys see that? That, that play for the touchdown was just incredible. We won't talk about illegal man downfield because we definitely had guys three yards downfield, but. It's perfect play design. You've set that up for weeks. It was right there. You pull it out. And then just to see Trevon Diggs taking his helmet off and screaming in the backfield, getting a flag, just made it that much sweeter. Yeah. So always, always love, love to, to see that. that. And I love to see the receipts being pulled up of all the Dallas fans that were talking trash all week. I just feel, I mean, who let Philadelphia fans let have this, have this much glory because we are, insufferable on social media currently the screenshots that are being pulled out left and right right now it's a thing of beauty it's a true thing of beauty and we're gonna have a fantastic week just two weeks oh my god we're going into the bye we're six and oh going into the bye we have two weeks to ride on this oh what a day such a key game because on the flip side if you don't win that game you've got two weeks to sit there and realize not only did we just lose to dallas we're not leading the division. In fact, we're not even in second. We're tied for second right now. It would have been a long two weeks. So now it gets to be a long two weeks of a whole lot of fun. Yeah, Long two weeks of a whole lot of fun. I definitely agree. Um, there was another comment in here about not going for the quarterback sneak on the two-point conversion. The play call on the two-point conversion. I'm, you absolutely go for the two points there with the penalty. The play call, though, not great. If you're not gonna, If you're not going to QB sneak, which you should always QB sneak. I literally tweet that every Man, time the, the power Eagles. Lift 600 pounds. Yeah. Every time the Eagles QB sneak, I always tweet, always QB sneak. If you're not going to do it, which you should, maybe you let your mobile quarterback like 
roll out, make a play with his legs, give him that run pass option, whatever. Don't just hand the ball off out of the shotgun. That I, that was a bad play call. I didn't mind going for it there, especially right. with the penalty. Yeah. Bad bad play call. Hundred percent, hundred percent. But it ended up not really really mattering. And the Eagles are six and zero. The Eagles are six and zero. And have a top six pick in the draft. <laughs> top six pick in the. And are generally healthy heading into the bye, too, with games against the Steelers and the Texans coming up. Oh, it should be easy wins. Oh, what a time to be alive. The Steelers just beat the Buccaneers. But so. the Bucs are... Mm. Tom Brady's also broken. In exactly. <laughs> Hopefully he Poor stays guy. that way until we play him. So yeah, Wait, so they get, the bye, they get the bye, and then it's Steelers, Steelers, Texans, Commanders, Colts, Packers. I mean, the, the scariest thing in there might be like, you know, a guy named Taylor Heineke fighting for his job because Carson Wentz is hurt again. That might be the most concerning area because he actually, you know, he's, he's given the Eagles a little bit of a hard time when they haven't expected it necessarily. Not that I would venture to say they're going to lose that game, but, you know. Do the Titans have a winning record right now? I don't believe so. They could probably use a big wide receiver to help them do that. I, I, I'm not sure if they do or not, but if the Titans don't have a winning record, then the Eagles don't play a team with a winning record until December when they play the Giants. The Titans and do that should be a record. good game if they continue to play the way that they have the Giants. Yeah, that, that should be. That continues to baffle me how me how the Giants went keep winning games like beating the Ravens today. I didn't get to watch that game. I but, watched it, but. Yeah, I, I'm anxious to game pass it tomorrow. I, I was at my father-in-law's birthday party, so I didn't get to watch, but I was pretty shocked when I saw that they won. Um, I, the Ravens they just don't have—they don't have a lot of talent. They're definitely well coached. They don't have a lot of talent. I, I was surprised that they were able to beat the Ravens. So maybe they're for it's real. Like the coaching staff—I don't know. Something has shifted, and this is not the Giants that we're used to seeing. Daniel Jones will start playing like Daniel Jones at some point, and it'll all be. <laughs> and all will be right in the world. <laughs> all will be right in the world. Does Wentz play that game in Philly? I mean, it depends on what's going on with his hand. He broke a fractured a finger on his throwing hand. So I kind I kind of doubt it. The the there's conditions uh, with playing time attached to that draft pick, and I can't imagine with the comments that Ron Rivera made. Um, and of course, with the hand injury, they've got an easy out to keep him out a few games if they want to, or to keep him out for the season and, and kick that draft pick down. I think they're pretty well off of the Carson Wentz train already. So, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna have people coming for me left and right because this is so on brand for me. But in the defense of like, not even in Carson Wentz's defense, but like, I feel like. The, this poor son of a gun gets the short end of the stick in every sort of like media, not playing the whole quote being taken, taken out of context and what, and naturally the person that tweeted it initially only tweeted the first half and then followed it up with everything that actually happened. He, when he said, what's the difference? He said, quarterback. All other quarterbacks in the division have had multiple years with multiple seasons with the coaching staff, and they were able to build their rosters around the quarterback that they have. 
we just traded for Carson Wentz and we haven't had the opportunity to build anything around him yet. We traded for him for a reason. We and we decided to go with him as the quarterback for a reason. Now, Ron did not set himself up properly for a not media frenzy by just saying quarterback to start. That wasn't helpful for anybody. But in all fairness of the whole situation, I still, it, I listen, I was talking about it today with my husband. The fall from grace, I, I don't know how, I mean, he tore his ACL and I don't know what else happened. He was broken completely. Because how do you go from the 2017 he had to what he is now? I just I, it'll be it'll make an interesting 30 for 30 someday. Seriously, God, it makes no sense. But the Eagles are six and zero. Let me ask you this: So James Bradbury, yeah, played phenomenal this year. Are the Eagles going to try to lock him up to an extension? Do you think the Eagle do you think he plays for the Eagles next season? I hope so. I hope so too. But I the whole the secondary, like loaded. They need to. I don't know how they would do that, right. but that's an impressive bunch right there. Yeah. I, I would got- I would love for them to keep Bradbury. I just think I kind of think the way he's playing, he's gonna make a lot more money than the Eagles can pay him. I hope I hope not. Maybe he just decides he likes the culture and he wants to stay, but I kind of feel like he might be playing himself out of the Eagles price range, but it would be great to keep him, especially with Slay aging, you know, I think Bradbury is like 30 though. So he's not exactly young, 29 or 30, but I would love to be able to keep that secondary group together. I I would have said before this game, if you could only sign one, you want to keep Bradbury, not Chauncey Gardner Johnson. And I still think I stand by that, but Every time I say something negative about a player on Twitter, he goes and has a great game. So I I don't know. I I, I love then Chauncey. Keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, keep doing it. I'm right. just gonna keep doing it. But I love Chauncey, and I think he's a really good slot defender, which the Eagles already have one locked up in Maddox. He has struggled with the move to safety. You've seen it in his tackling and his coverage. You know, he gets the two picks today. One of them was off of a Bradbury tip, and then you know the other one was a really good play, but. He struggled, and and that's something else that I don't. That's what makes you excited about the Eagles moving forward is they're playing this good with Marcus Epps as their best safety right now. Chauncey struggled. If he figures that out, if they start to get you know mix up what Jordan Davis is doing, if the offense figures out how to pick up a blitz at some point this year, that'd be great. But there's all of these little things. Every team has things they need to work on. The Eagles have all of these little things, but they're still winning games and they're doing it in a mostly dominant fashion. They've they've made a bad habit of taking their foot off the gas, but to think about what they can be when they string three or four quarters together and they start to fix these little nagging mistakes. Like I don't I'm not willing to say that they're on like the Bills or the Chiefs level. Fortunately, they're not in the AFC, so you don't have to play those teams unless you're in a Super Bowl, and anything can happen in one game. But they're clearly at the top of that second tier of teams, and they're at the top of the NFC. So, you know, realistic expectations, the Eagles should be the one seed. Like, if they take care of business, if they stay healthy, they should be the one seed. That gives them home field advantage to the playoffs where anything can happen. So there's a lot to be excited about. There's little things we could nitpick about. 
I'm glad I don't have to do the angry rants that I was already thinking about when I thought they were about to blow this game in the third quarter. I was just preparing myself, but we don't have to come on and yell about a loss today. Hopefully we don't have to do it until December or January. Or we just don't have to at all. Yeah, I mean, wait, week 18, you rest your starters because you're 16 and 0. That's fine. Yeah. Well, we can we can rant about how Gardner Minshew plays. It's fine. <laughs> we can, or Gardner Minshew will go out and light the Giants on fire, and it'll be a wonderful time that everyone has. Honestly, I'm glad we don't have to yell and be angry at 12:02 a.m. going into a Monday because there's nothing worse than staying up late to watch an Eagles game, doing a post game show, and being angry. Going into a bye, being angry, and starting your work week off like this. Score one for being in the central time zone. I still got an hour till midnight. Let's go. That's really nice. See, I have approximately an hour until my baby wakes up again. So that's where I am currently. It was like, it was, it was the beginning of the fourth quarter and I was, and the baby started to cry. And I was like, what do I have time to do? How do I execute this and make it all work? But we're here and the Eagles won. And I was actually thinking about that today. Like, how nice would it be to be in the Pacific time zone when there's especially the Sunday night games and Monday night games? Mondays are a struggle, like getting up after these games for sure. But it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. For wins, it's worth it. It starts off my week in the best way. So we're going to wrap it up there and let everybody, no matter what time zone you're in, go to bed because it's close to everybody's bedtime right about now. So thank you guys for, for jumping in and, you know, staying up with us and commenting. And we are seeing any of the ones that even that we haven't been able to pull up here. We're seeing all your comments. So thank you guys for jumping in with us. Make sure that you're subscribed everywhere, liking everything. We'll have lots of content coming out this week. And we will see you in two weeks when the Eagles take on the, who are they playing in two weeks? The Steelers? The Steelers. Yeah. Got it. We'll see you in two weeks after the Eagles are 7-0. and So for myself, Shane, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Go Birds and go Phillies while we're at it. Go Birds. <laughs>